Good morning. There it is. All right. We're in business. I'm used to preaching in the youth room, which uh, is about a third of the size, so the mic is kind of irrelevant there. Um, I'm very honored to be here this morning. Before I get going, uh, I just want to take a moment to honor a few people um, that have helped me get here uh, and and that really are the reason that I'm standing here today. Uh, If you're with us for the first time, I'm not the senior minister, Um, I'm the youth minister, and I'm also not in high school. I'm 24 and (laughs) am married, although I am mistaken for a youth student often. Every trip we go on, uh, a lot of the students look a lot older than me, and so they um, are approached as the youth minister instead of me often, but I am the youth minister. My name is Caleb Zerang, and uh, and before we get going, I I do want to honor some people um, the, the first is Buddy Bell. He's the senior minister here. And uh, it, it's true that without Buddy, I would not be here. I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be a, a student minister at all. Um, the first time I ever preached ever was actually here on this stage, which is ridiculous. I don't know what Buddy was thinking. But he called me and he said, hey, we want you and your brother to talk about a trip that you guys have taken. And I was like, I don't think that's a good idea because um, I'm, I'm frightened of stages. Some call it stage fright. And... Um, and he said, no, I think, it's, I think it's a good idea. I think you should do it. And I'm like, are you sure? And he said, yeah, I'm sure. And so we get up here. And some of you might have been here, uh, but I, I, I was just terribly nerv- nervous. And I got on stage and was, was talking and looking at the time and trying to figure out what I was going to say. And the whole time I walked circles like this around, around this thing. And I, probably, I, I think I walked 100 circles around this podium before it was over with and I fumbled through my words and I missed like 12 points and I left thinking that I had just totally blown it. I was like, you know, it was my shot and I'm done. Like, I'm never getting on a stage again. And I couldn't, I didn't make it five steps off of this stage after everything was said and done before somebody from this body came up to me and said, hey, that was great. Thank you so much for, for coming and preaching to us. And then I made about five more steps and somebody else from this body said, hey, that was great. Thank you so much for preaching to us. And then, and then an elder from this body came and said, hey, that was great. Thank you so much. For, and, and it was, and I, I went over to where we have 360 in the Life Center, and between here and there, I probably got stopped 20 or 30 times by people who had liked what I did. I don't know, like walking around in circles. And, and, um, and, and it was, it changed, it changed my whole perspective. And so I do want to honor Buddy, but I also just want to honor the body of Landmark, this church. I mean, it's why that, that moment, that experience is why I'm here. That's it. Because I believe that, that God moves in this body. I believe this is a body of believers who love each other. And I believe that this is a place where people can come and feel accepted and welcome. And so if you are here with us for the first time, you are welcome. We are glad you're here. Uh, we're glad you could be here. I want to encourage you to come back and hear Buddy speak. He's a great, great communicator. And, uh, and I know you'll get something from him speaking. But I hope you get something from me speaking this morning uh, as well. Uh, so before we get going, uh, we're, we are going to be talking about uh, being humble today, and we're in a series called Dare, I Dare You, and, and we've been talking about the book of Daniel, and the reason we've been talking about book, the book of Daniel is because the whole book of Daniel is full of stories of boldness, just incredible, extreme boldness. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is one that we talked about recently, and, and it talks about the boldness of these men to stand up against King Nebuchadnezzar and against the idols. And, and really, if we think about it, anytime someone accepts a dare, it's, it's out of boldness. I mean, when I think of boldness, when I think of especially dares, I can't help but think of a student in our youth ministry named Michael Johnson. 
Michael will accept a dare. And some students are nodding their heads all the time. Like, he just, because he's bold. And I can remember when, when we were, when I was here as an intern in 2012, Michael was probably in seventh or eighth grade. I was 21. And he was dared to wrestle me. And he just, he, he, took, he took it. He was going. I mean, this is a 12 year old, 13 maybe. And we wrestled, and I won, obviously. Uh, but, but Michael accepted the dare, and it's because of boldness. And I think as we look at these dares that we're going through in this series, we have to understand that, that when we accept a dare, it's boldness. And the only way we can accept these dares is if we have boldness in Christ, if we, if we practice boldness in Christ. So we're going to start this morning by practicing a little bit of boldness. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can be humble. Good. Now, turn to your second choice and say, I'll pray for you, and we'll get there. Awesome. We're, we're so excited. I, I'm so excited to be here. So excited to be with you guys. There's, there's a lot of awesome stuff that God is doing here at Landmark and in Montgomery, and, uh, and we get to be a part of it as Landmark Church. So we are going to be talking about Daniel 4. If you would like to turn there and read along, we're going to go through this story of King Nebuchadnezzar. And it is a powerful story about humility. It's a powerful story about what it means to be humble. And then we're going to go through and we're going to figure out what it actually means to be humble and then how we can practice that in our daily lives. So I'm going to start uh, just with the first verse. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show you signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. This sounds pretty good. Nebuchadnezzar sounds like he's in a pretty healthy place. And then he has a dream. And, and in his dream, he says he sees this tree in it, and you can see it from the corners of the earth, because the earth was flat then, and, and there's shade over everything, and the animals are underneath it, and its fruit is incredible. It's this great tree. And then it says, a watcher, a holy one from heaven comes down. In verse 14, it says, he proclaimed aloud and said thus, chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and let the birds from its, let the birds flee from its branches. We leave the, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. It kind of changes a little bit here. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers and the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets it over the lowliest of men. Okay, so, so this is King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and he has this dream, and, and he immediately starts trying to figure out what it means. Though, I feel like he probably knew a little bit. He probably had a hunch when it started saying, let him, let his. I feel like he probably started kind of figuring out and just hoping that it wasn't true. And so he starts going to all of his magicians and wizards and all these other people that told him dreams normally, and they said, hey, we cannot help you out. And so he says, well, I know who can. Daniel can. Daniel can help me. I know he's a man of God. He's, a, he's friends with this holy one, and he can help interpret this dream. And so he tells Daniel the dream. And Daniel tells him what it means. 
And 25, he says, You shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time will pass over you till you know the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and he gives it to whom he will. And then he tells him that the stump is still there. It's going to be left there because his kingdom is going to be held for him while he learns this lesson. And at the end of this little section in verse 27, he says, he says, uh, break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniqui- iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed. That's important. Practicing righteousness and showing mercy to the oppressed. So at the end of 12 months, this is verse 29, King Nebuchadnezzar was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built with my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my Majesty. Then it says, as the words were still on his mouth, as the words were still on his mouth, as he made this statement, this is 12 months later, he sa- it says he's driven out, his hair grows as long as eagle's feathers, his nails grow, uh, or his, his nails grow like talons, and, and he goes to live with the beasts, and he's there, and he loses his mind, basically. He goes, he goes absolutely insane. And he's lost his kingdom, he lost his people, and later on, after seven periods of time had passed, let's see, at, in verse 34, it says, At the end of the days, so at the end of this time, it says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praise and honor him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right, and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Let's pray. God, we love you. Father, we thank you for bringing us here again today. God, to, to learn your word, to learn about who you are. God, we pray that as we, as we go through this, this time in your word and, and in your presence, God, that you would show us uh, the places in our life that we need to be humble. God, that you would speak through me and that you would prick the hearts of, of the people in this congregation. God, we love you. We thank you for using us to do your will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we see two major themes in this, two major uh, points that God makes to King Nebuchadnezzar. And and they're really what I believe to be the two things that that we need to truly be humble people, to have Christ-like humility. And the first of these uh, is, is that we have, to, we have to understand that it is God who works in us. It is God who, who, who adds. It is God who multiplies. It is God who does everything. It is God who's in control. And so our first uh, step to humility is honoring God. It's to honor God. Honor God. 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. I think we'll have that on the screen for you. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. It says, whatever you do, everything you do is for the glory of God. Whether, whether you get a job or you don't get a job, whether you, you have a family or, you, or you're going to school or you're playing on a team or you're leading people at your workplace or you're a manager or you're a preacher, everything is for the glory of God. And, and part of this humility is understanding that God is the one who works. It's something that we see Nebuchadnezzar didn't understand. He said, look at this place that I've built. Look at my kingdom. He's walking on his roof and looking at all of the majesty that God has given him. And God has shown him many, many signs. We see that in the beginning of the chapter, that, that it is him who adds. It is him who, uh, who build this king, built this kingdom for him. 
But what Nebuchadnezzar hadn't learned what it was that, that, it, that it was also God who takes away. And, and so because he thought it was of himself, because he thought he had built it, God took it away. And he, he comes later to learn that it was God who gave it to him. And we see that in that last verse where he says, I praise and extol and honor the king of heaven for his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Now it's interesting to me because I, be, I believe the second theme after honoring God is to honor people. So we're going to honor God and we're going to honor people. If we truly want to understand humility, if we truly want to practice humility, we have to honor God and honor people. And we see that. Daniel knows this. In verse 27, he says, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says, No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. See, the second part of humility, the second part of walking in humility, is seeking the good of others, is honoring other people. It's what God's heart is for. Um, I, I heard a story the other day on humility, and it was from a secular speaker. It wasn't like a preacher or anything, but he was talking about great leaders, and he was talking about uh, people who exemplified humility. And he told a story of Sam Walton. He said that, that Sam Walton, he's the owner of Walmart. He's he, you know huge billion-dollar uh, empire. He basically invented the supermarket. And, and Sam Walton was down in Brazil visiting friends. And as he was there, he kind of disappeared. And they said he did that every now and then. And he was kind of a loner, so he would disappear sometimes. And they, they didn't really think anything of it until they got a call from the police station. Not the police station in America, the police station in Brazil, which is different than the police station in America. And, and they called him and they said, hey, we've got someone. We think he's yours. He says his name's Sam. And they're like, whoa, whoa, you can't put him in jail. He, you don't understand. This is Sam Walton. He owns Walmart. You, you can't put this man in Brazilian jail. Like, he, he won't make it. You know, and so, uh, so they go to pick him up and they... they they get Sam in the car. I said, Sam, what were you thinking? What, are you, like, what were you doing? You know, and, and he said, oh, well, I was, on, I was uh, crawling around the floors of the supermarkets here. And they're like, crawling, crawling around the floors? What were you doing crawling around the floors? He said, I was measuring. I was measuring the aisles to see if they had figured something out that I didn't know yet. And, and what we see in that is that, that Sam understood this principle of honoring people. He understood that he could learn from anyone. And I think that's kind of what honoring people looks like, is knowing that we can learn from anyone, no matter the age, no matter, uh, no matter where they're from, no matter anything. We can learn from anyone, and we can honor anyone. When, when I was kind of going through this and trying to figure out what humility meant, you know, what does humility actually mean? Because we say it a lot, uh, but it, it, it's kind of a, a broad definition. I was talking to my wife, Kayla, and, and I said, who's the most humble person you've ever met? And she kind of sat there for a minute and said, well, I don't know who's the most humble person you've ever met. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I was like, well, you're, you're avoiding my question. I really need to hear this. And, but it got me thinking, you know, I, I started thinking about the most humble person I've ever met. And that person's name is Jordan Williamson. And, and Jordan is in his mid-30s. Uh, he's a church planner, kind of a Paul figure. Um, and he plants, he plants these churches all over the southeast. And, um, and Jordan is just an incredible person, but he is one of the most busy people I've ever met in my entire life. 
Uh, and, and I remember hearing about Jordan for the first time because I had some friends who had met him. And they were like, man, Jordan's awesome. We love hanging out with Jordan. I thought he was like a, a 20-something-year-old because of how they were talking about him but, and how much they loved him. And, and I said, well, who is this Jordan guy? And they started telling me about him. They said, you need to go get lunch with him. And I was like, I don't think I can get lunch. Like, I don't think he's going to have time for me. I don't think he's going to be able to, to fit me in. Like, this guy's one of the busiest people that I've ever met. And, and you know, I just don't think it's going to work. And they're like, no, no, he makes time for people. Like, that's who Jordan is. He makes time for people. And, and so I, I met Jordan for the first time a few months later, and I realized that this was the person that my friends had talked about. And, and while we were talking, I thought, I'll, I'm just going to try this. I'm going I'm to try to get lunch with him. I said, hey, Jordan, can we get lunch sometime? He said, yeah, when's good for you? Now, I'm a college student. I got time. I had so much time. You know, I could go to lunch whenever. I'd go to lunch at dinner time. It didn't matter because I, I just had time. But he told me that, that, that I could pick, that, that whenever was good for me, he would make time to go. And that left a lasting impression on me because this man who was, who was important, you know, this man who was a lot busier than me, he had a family, he had kids, he had responsibilities, was willing to make time, was willing to go out of his way to spend time with me. And it, and it showed his humility tenfold. And, and to this day, he is still one of the most humble men I've ever met, um, just, just because he's, he just loves people and he loves God. And so I think if we truly want to be humble, we have to do the same thing. Mark 12, 30 through 31, this is Jesus talking. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So, so this is what God's about, is, is loving God, loving, loving God, honoring God, and loving and honoring people. So, so they're good, but how? How do we honor? What does honor mean? What, how, can we, how can we honor something? You know, honor is not a word we really use in our culture very often. Um, and so I kind of wanted to break it down for you and help you understand how we can honor people. And, and I, think, I think what the way we honor God, really the way we honor anything, is by devoting our time to it. Right? Time is the most valuable asset we have. It's the most valuable currency we have. No money is worth our time. Time is, time is, we only have so much of it, we can't get any more of it, it's just time. And, and the way we honor people is, is by giving them our time. The way we honor God is by giving God our time. We honor him by being here on a Sunday morning. There's a, there's a thousand other places we could be on Sunday, but we came here to honor God with our worship, to honor God with our praise, to honor God with our prayer. Honoring God means giving him time. And I think there's something very important about, about the first of our time. We're kind of doing this in the morning even. Uh, but but there's, a, there's a law in Bible study. They call it a law. But when you're starting to learn Bible study, something that they teach you is, you know, the law of first mention. Meaning, when you read something in the Bible, if you want to know more about it, you go back to the first place that it was written and you'll learn kind of its, its, most, its most pure form. And I think there's something to this whole first thing. And, and spending time first, giving the first fruits of our labor. We see that with Cain and Abel. You know, I, I think that God has something. He honors the first. And, and I believe it's the same way with our time. When we give God the first of our time, I believe he honors it. And so what that looks like in my life, and some ways we can do that, is something that I teach our students is the first 15. And the first 15 is the first 15 minutes of your day. Spend five minutes in worship, five minutes in the word, and five minutes in prayer connecting with God in all three ways. And, and, and that's kind of like when they come to me and say, hey, I really want to spend time with God. I just don't know how. I say, hey, first 15. Like, this is where you start. You know, and just, just get with God in the morning. And you don't have to do it a long, long time. You just have to do it consistently. 
and it'll build and you'll grow and you'll move closer to God and you'll honor him with that first. The, the next thing that, that we've been doing here at the church, we have the 40 days of prayer, as Andy talked about. The students have actually been doing 21 days of prayer, which um, I don't know if all of y'all have heard about this, but they've been meeting in the mornings at 6 a.m. from 6 to 7 a.m. to pray, to pray for the city, to pray for their schools, to pray for you, uh, to pray for your prayer requests, um, and, and just to pray that God will move in their lives and, and in the lives of the people around them. And so... And so our students have been gathering. This is not like a short-term thing. They've been doing it for two weeks. We've got another week left. And we've even had some parents coming. Steve Borland's been there every single morning to pray with us. And, and it's just been incredible. We have seen God move so much. And we've seen these students. I mean, students getting up at 5 a.m., some driving 30 minutes to be here in the morning at 6 a.m. to pray, to give God their first. And, and we see God working. We see God moving because students are honoring him with their time. It's incredible. It's an incredible thing to be a part of. And it's so awesome to see God move. The second, or the, the, the point with that is that we have to seek him first. Matthew six thirty three says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we need to seek him first. The second step is, is the step uh, of, for others, and it's that God's agenda is others. God's agenda is others. That's why you feel good when you help other people. It's because that's, that's what God's about. He's about other people. And so, and so that's what God's agenda is. And, and that's, if that's what God's agenda is, that's what our agenda needs to be. Like I said, with, with time, it's the same with people. You know, when we, when we give people our time, we honor people. And, and I looked up the top three happiest jobs, according to Forbes. And, and, I, and I just wanted to see if there was a correlation here. And the first one was a school principal. And if you've ever met Doug Prater, you know that that one's true. It's, it's definitely true. That's got to be the number one happiest job. The next is a head chef. And then the third is a loan officer. And I thought, what in the world do these things have in common? Like, why, why are they the happiest jobs? And the answer is they all take care of people. They all watch after people. They all devote their time to other people to help them feel better, to help them through life, to help them, uh, yeah, through life. So... Matthew twenty five forty. It says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So we see that God works through other people and he uses us to help other people, to show people what he looks like. And, and we do that in a, as a church through a lot of different ways, through serving, uh, through outreach, um, things like Compassion 21. Uh, we also do that through small groups. You see, I have a small group shirt on. There's small group shirts throughout this entire building. And, and our small groups are basically a way for you to connect with other people. You can connect with people on a Sunday and you can say, hey, and you can catch up on your week and everything. But there's something about meeting in a smaller group every single week that's just, that just changes things. You know, we believe that, that your life is going to change when you make relationships, strong relationships with other people. And, and so, so these small groups that we have, we have them in your, in your lifelines. They're here for you. They're here to help you build uh, build relationships and grow and mature and become more humble, become more like Christ. See, I believe that, that this city doesn't need a great sermon. And I, don't think it, I don't think that it needs a great, a great building. I don't think that it, it needs a great anything except great people who are humble and are seeking God together. I think humility is what changes this city. I think humility is what will move this church closer to Jesus, what will move our city and our schools and our workplaces closer to Jesus. I think that if we take steps towards God in humility, then we will see things begin to change. 
That's why this is so important. So this morning, we want to dare you to be humble. Now, something we do at our church uh, as, as we kind of finish up is, is we have uh, some clipboards down here. And at the end of, of our messages, we invite those that, that have been, I guess, pricked this morning or, or that God has kind of pulled something out in you that you want to share with the church, something that you want to be prayed for. Uh, maybe you're, you've, you've been going through something that you just want to bring to the church or you have a praise. You know, you're excited about something that God is doing that you want to bring before the church. We have an opportunity for you to come forward and, and you'll write this down on a card and we'll pray over you. We'll celebrate with you. We'll, we'll do whatever you need. We want to be a body that encourages each other through prayer and, and, and um, exalting the things that God is doing. Uh, so if, if that's you, if you do need prayer this morning, we would love for you to come up as we stand and as we sing.